Welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast with the science and the screaming to determine the best movie for any given year. Of course, this season we are focusing on 1997, a time when I was in high school and I was young, dumb, and my pockets were absolutely full of gum. Joining me tonight is champion and current best friend, Ryan. Ryan, how you doing? I thought for sure you were going to say come, like all up in your pockets. No, I would never do that. And I hate Not in my sweet pockets where I store all my gums. I hate to reveal stuff about you uh, from the past, but uh, I'll just do it. You were a big cargo shorts kid in high school. Yes, yes, that so would have been so much gum. I'm talking a lot of pockets. Yeah, <laughs> the huge ones on the side. Also joining me is Mike. Mike, hello. How are you doing? You are a challenger. Thank you. Yes, I'm here to challenge, here to yeah. be challenged. Now, if Hopefully, I remember correctly, the challenger was the spacecraft that successfully went up into space and had a great oh, time. Oh, yeah, handled yeah. it all. Okay, very <laughs> Did good. Did it all. Very good. Also blowing up tonight is Taylor. Taylor, how you doing? Oh. Uh, I'm, do- I'm, d- I'm doing real bad because my brain is broken, and the thing that is stuck in my head is, Pockets full of cum! <laughs> These wounds, they will not heal. St- still, that's, the wounds still won't heal. The wounds still won't heal. Cum that's, keeps wounds open. Yeah, that's just... Oh, oh, the crowd, our live studio audience, usually Jesus. very quiet, but boisterously booing for quite a long time. Uh-oh. A fun, wow. A fun thing we decided to do, producer Dave came up with, like, what if we mic the crowd? for? Nobody's ever done it before. What if we just gave the crowd a voice? And I think it's impressive what producer Dave is doing, uh, because we just have the one other mic. So he is running around the crowd yeah. as fast as he can. There yeah. will be no Q's or A's. But I, you will get your voice on. I have been that person at a Q&A before and, because they had one microphone and they didn't even have an extra microphone for the people. So I had to run through the aisles and yes. ask the question and then run up to the front to get the response. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you whip everybody with the cord or was it a wireless? It was a wireless, luckily. Okay. Were I you running with that intensity of like the ball boys at Wimbledon? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I was definitely like Naruto running. I had the, I had the hands back. <laughs> I would have said, here's a cue, kiss my A, and then drop the mic and just never talk to any of them again. That's not a question. The audience responding to that, man, I don't know. When the audience goes off like that, maybe I got to give you a point. Also, Taylor, for mentioning the Naruto running, no points, but hey, Hey. I I see you, buddy. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. Was Naruto Akira? Naruto (laughs) was Akira. He he was an Akira in... um, Detective okay. Pikachu? He's yeah. in a different Akira, but yeah. he plays the Akira in that one. Yeah, he plays the Akira in uh, the, the, another Akira And he later. has a way of running that anime speculates would, for some reason, be faster than yes. the established... No, like, science also. That's that's everybody yeah. who's ever won an Olympic race. If you put your arms backwards like that, you don't run faster. The river dance run. Don't move waist <laughs> up at all. Yeah. It looks like he's preparing to do a deadlift for no reason. <laughs> Guys, I have gathered you today in our extra spicy hot studio to talk about Jackie Brown. First off, what is your history with the movie Jackie Brown? Does it play a large part in your personal like cinema history? Never seen it. I just remember still to you this still, point. You still <laughs> have, you have to watch these movies, Taylor. Oh, what the fuck? I got. I'm gonna watch it during the break. I just, <laughs> I just remember the amount of pressure and pressure on me for having watched oh, and liked yeah. Pulp Fiction. Mm. It was like. You you better sit down and you better fucking love this shit. Don't bro. look away. You might miss a Pulp Fiction like thing. Don't look away for one second. I remember loving it, uh, and I don't really remember why because I think I was a dumb idiot back then. But I remember loving it, and I think then it was in my stupid group of friends. They're like, "Nothing's as good as Pulp Fiction. How dare you like this other movie?" Ah, uh, and did you? Well, does that mean you like it as much as Pulp Fiction? 
I like back then. I was. I think I was very punk rock. I was like, this might be better. And uh, thankfully, history might be like, what if? What if Young Mike was right? It's it's really hard because Pulp Fiction has been like you know like canonized in such a yeah. way that like you sort of can't compare it to other things unless they're in that upper echelon. It mm-hmm. feels like it's less alive for that. I feel like it's been like laminated mm-hmm. or like yeah. put uh-huh. in Luxite or something. Like that movie feels dead to me because of how much we all say we love it. Yes, and this movie feels more alive because it's like a sleepier, smaller it's project. The most forgotten Tarantino movie. Yeah, like, it doesn't come up in conversation at all. And now, yeah, now that like it's not his next thing after Pulp Fiction, like we just watched it 20 years later and all of that shit's gone. I, it's so, so good. It I, was so, so good. I like Mike. I liked it so much, but while I was watching it, I was surprised that 1997 Greg liked mm-hmm. it so much. I guess I feel like I'm supposed to be way smarter than he is, but I like when I was that age watching that movie, I was hip to what was going on. What if you're way dumber now? You know, you guys, fear. straight up, <laughs> I think there is a good chance. Remember from Magnolia, where William H. Macy says, I used to be smart, now I'm just dumb? Uh-huh. You guys, I think about that all the time. <laughs> I've been thinking about that this entire week. I, yeah. think, I think this week, I have become a dumb person. Yeah, dude, that's, you're about the age. You're <laughs> around the age where it just really sets It all goes in. downhill. That's, that's, that's helping me a lot, Greg. Your brain, just that, your brain stops expanding, and as soon as it stops expanding, it just starts shrinking. But, I mean, oh. the biggest problem, I think, for all of us is that like we used to like read or uh, write and then reflect yeah. by ourselves. And now the three all we, R's. Now all we do is uh, just watch things with like this intense, like, what am I going to fuck up Taylor with while, like, when we talk about this? That's the only reason we watch anything anymore. So competition makes us dumber. I think so, yeah. That's why we do it, competition. It makes us dumber. Well, we're going to jump in and address a lot of those issues. But before we do, road trip time. Mount Rushmore is a big display they have on the back of an 18-wheeler, and they drive it all over the country every summer. And we were lucky enough to get to check it out this summer. And what we noticed is, instead of putting four heads up on Mount Rushmore, for whatever reason, they just had four like blank spaces. And so we thought, you know what we're going to do? Right we're going to replace those four heads with four of your garden variety 1997 hot boys. And I think now when they drive this thing from coast to coast, everyone will stop and tip their hat. 97 is an interesting year for our hot boys because uh, <laughs> you really, it's possible to just be like super butt before that and butt now, but you might have that 97 essence mm-hmm. that it's like hard. shoots you to the mountain. Something about it. We do have to sort of put ourselves in a 97 mind frame because I think that we have to remember what was hot on our boys in 97. How bad haircuts were. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like really bad haircuts. No one looked good in 1997. No. The 90s no. were rough. I wouldn't say any boy was really that hot. We got the, some of the boys we've gotten nowadays, you guys, really hot. Science made these new really boys. Really hot boys. It was a big year for acne. Did we, have we <laughs> solved acne since then? Yeah, I, I, I do ma- think Proactive came out. Accutane ruined people's hormones and stomachs, but at least they are hotter. I think I think makeup has gotten a lot more yeah. advanced as well. I think now most times when we see somebody, mm-hmm. they are like there's like an inch of makeup painted yeah. on their Have face. Have you seen a Sephora recently? It's like the new Apple. <laughs> Yeah, the makeup geniuses just. Oh right, yeah, you. so that, that one was dead. You know what? This is the podcast people come to to just fucking dish on Sephora. <laughs> what uh, else is at the mall? right Have you now? guys been to a Lush? I love Lush. Okay, <laughs> man, I'm gonna talk forever. <laughs> fucking damn it! All right. Should have said Lush. Eco friendly. It's good for the environment. It's good for your skin. Go to a Lush. I know it looks 
My wife has no idea what anything does. They, yeah. look, they they don't look like the normal lotions and shampoos that you're used to. You can just go in there and wash your hands 25 times mm-hmm. if you want. If that's your thing, you can just go there. I'm just going to wait till you guys start talking about Spencer's Gifts, the only mall <laughs> store that matters. Well, I think we all have malls on the mind because tonight is Jackie Brown and so much of the action takes place in a deliciously preserved 1997 <laughs> mall. I remember when I saw Stranger Things recently, I was like, man, they really recreated the mall of the 80s. And for a second... When Jackie Brown was on, I was like, man, this really does look like a mall from the 90s. <laughs> yeah, dipshit. It's a mall from the 90s. That's where they <laughs> no. filmed it, you idiot. It's less that's, impressive. That's why it looks like that, you stupid No, moron. I do think at some point they do say that the movie takes place in 95. <laughs> so they had to do a bunch yeah. of stuff to like yeah. two there years back the mall. <laughs> you had to dial back the clock. There's no Wetzel's Pretzels yet. That wouldn't come till 98. <laughs> it's just Auntie Anne. We didn't know. We didn't know. Taylor, yes. I happen to look at you in just that moment. Why don't you start me off with a 97 hot boy? Okay, great. I got first pick. This is a perfect time to put something right on the mountain. Excellent. So yeah. that's why my nomination for hot boys going right up on that mountain is the hot boys. AKA no. the the rap group <laughs> formed by Lil Wayne Juvenile and the other two in 1997. <laughs> I love how this whole 97 season you've been pretending to be a Wu-Tang fan, and now finally you can reveal what you actually are it's into. It's fucking hot boys. How old were they when they were in this? Like like 14 or 15. Wow. Like, they, like they were legit, like, just young young kids. I think some of them were, like, 17 just or 18. Legit I don't know if they were kids. all the same age, but yeah. Wait, like, so it was, like, a 17-year-old and an 18-year-old hanging out with two 14-year-olds? I don't, I don't like that. That's high school, but baby. Yeah, Lil, Lil Wayne was, like, 15. Uh, and they formed the Hot Boys, <laughs> and this and is, they were the Hot Boys of 1997. This is the group that the pop star Never Stop Never Stopping is actually talking about, right? Really based on? I think so. When well, you said the Hot Boys, I was hoping you were talking about the Meaty Cheesy Boys. When I say the meat, greatest boy band of the era, <laughs> meat and cheese and cheese and meat, and that's it. <laughs> that's their big. Well, I gotta yeah. say, if they are called the Hot Boys, they're called the Hot Boys, and they're a band in '97, right up on the mountain. Congratulations! That's insane. That's, that's nobody knew the like, Hot what Boys. What are we doing here? This, this is, is the bunk. Bunk. this is the only time an insane thing has happened on Rushmore that I felt happy with. Can't, the bunkest bullshit that's ever. Can bunked. you deny that they're the Hot Boys? You can't. That's their name. Just because I'd never heard of this band and didn't know it existed doesn't mean it wasn't iconic in '97. All right, Ryan. A lot of people are thinking that you guys got screwed on that last one. In fact, the audience is starting to let me have it. Okay, 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 calm down. And I want them back with a getter down. <laughs> They're all happy again. Ryan, can you give me someone that goes right up on the mountain? Uh, yeah, I want to. I typically just want to focus on that year and not just pick the hottest boys of all time. Okay. But it was so. It was such Leo's year that yeah. year. And I know that he can win like most of the 90s, all of the aughts, all of the aught tens. But uh, this was this was it. The Titanic year, yeah. Because yeah. really, it's that's peak DiCaprio in terms of dreamy hot boyness, right? right. Yeah. He's still like young and boyish, but he's like you know a bit of a roustabout. I'll mm-hmm. say it. Oh, he's he's quite yeah. a roustabout. This might be the first year he could win. Before this, he was a little too young. What's before like Basketball Diaries? Well, Romeo and Juliet Romeo, oh, okay. and Basketball so Diaries. So yeah. that combo yeah. fucked up a lot of girls at this time. Sure. And then a lot of boys. There's got to be a reason why <laughs> Titanic was number one for 15 weeks in a row. Yeah, yeah. I bet he has something to do with yeah, it. Yeah, the movie. The, the camera's absolutely in love with him. It's weird. The camera's in love with him. The camera's in love with Kate Winslet, and the two of them. Kind of indifferent to each other. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Well, that, of course, goes right up on the mountain. That is perhaps the second best answer I've heard so far. Shit. (sighs) I hate this. There you go, your boy, Ryan. Right on time, exactly when you ordered it. Mike, a lot of pressure. I think with with the big buildup we said, let's remember how fug and weird 97 was. And now I'll fall on the sword. It's up to me. Uh, He's forgotten now, but 1997 with... uh, 
I know what you did last summer. No longer was the world abuzz about Freddie Prince Sr. Uh-huh. Now it would be <laughs> Freddie Prince Jr.'s time to shine. Move over, Dad. With his like leather and or puka shell necklace wearing like eight <laughs> shirts because that was the way at the time. And his perfectly flat on top, spiking the front hair. Everything that Freddie Prince Jr. ever put on his body was the worst thing it was to bad. ever yeah. happen. He was always like making things worse. The the weirdest, and he, I think he he made this really happen, is the t shirt like a graphic tee underneath an unbuttoned suit shirt. I'm gonna ruin every piece of clothing I have <laughs> on. Wasn't he also Fred, the yes, worst was. dressed cartoon uh-huh. character in the history of time? Yes, well, you take that back. No one can rock an ascot like Fred. Well, that is a hot maybe. Uh, I'm gonna put him right on the top of the hot maybe pile, Taylor. Yes. A little daylight here. Might be an opening for you, bud. All right. I'm going to throw someone on here who, 97 was their breakout year. Have we heard of them? You have heard of them. Yeah, yeah. try to say something non-controversial that yes. way when I give you this the point. One, yeah. uh, th- this was the beginning of like every like mom going like, oh, yeah, okay. And a lot of young women. <laughs> Matt Damon in Matt 1997 Damon. burst onto the scene. And everyone's like, no, dude, pretty cute. He, like, he's like that very 1997 level cute. Where it's like, this guy could be in Hanson. So yeah. on the Rushmore of Hot Boys, you want someone who moms think is kind of cute. Yes, because he is specifically like that weird kind of hot that 97 was crazy for. Floppy I will hair. say this. When we go to chisel He's- the rock face, it's the least amount of chiseling. Like, yeah. He already looks like an Easter Island person. He's just like, for some reason, 1997 went gaga for Matt Damon. And then people continued to be like, yeah, Matt Damon's like a hot superstar. And now really? I think we've caught on. We're like, no, that's not true. <laughs> Well, I'm going to put this on the maybe pile. Maybe I'm too wrapped up in modern day Damon, but I have trouble seeing him as a sexual object MDD. at all. And But it, this was definitely from his hot boy phase, or yeah. at least closer to it. Uh, if he weren't such a genius, maybe it would be, it'd be easier. But Right, but you can't be smart and beautiful. And hot, yeah, it's, it's just too hard. All right, Ryan... This is definitely an opening for you, bud. All right. I love where Mike, I love where your head was at. Freddie Prince Jr. is perfect. Uh, I'm going to take this one step, 97 or maybe. The hair, the face, the clothes. It's Devin Sawa. Oh, yeah. Devin Sawa was rocking butts across the coast I, okay, all year you long. You know that phrase. This is, this is my turn to, to say you're making something up. Is uh, you don't know Sawa? What, what is Devin Sawa? Wild America. Yeah. And uh, Idle Hands. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the, where he caught America's attention was he was real life Casper. Yes. So in, uh, this is the year that before. That bubble ghost got hot. But when uh, they showed Casper what he looked like when he was alive, and all the girls were like, damn. It really was a tragedy that this young boy died because he was so fuckable. Yeah, it turned into like a chubby little ghost. Well, now and then you almost see his wang, girls like that too. Oh, you almost get some wang yeah. action? If you got that wang, that would have been right up on the map. It's shot then. in like a sunset, so it's just his silhouette jumping naked into a water. And I, my sister definitely was like, pause, 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 pause. <laughs> Meanwhile, like on set, his whole dick would be in that weird sock thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you did see anything, it would just be disconcerting and terrible. <laughs> Those but are like a, a sock shaped like Casper. Dick. Those dick socks, though, are crazy. It is very hard to fix those. <laughs> You know what? Let's move on from that. I don't want to hear We're going to move right on. I'm going to put him on the maybe pile. He ruled Tiger Beat in 97. That's all I'm thinking about. Tiger Beat. Tiger you know? Beat. That's, if you're a hot boy, Tiger Beat's the more, way to go. More like Tiger beating off. Uh, like, I, this is your absolute last opportunity, fuck. buddy. Last chance to loon right here. Okay. I'm thinking 97, hot boy, so I'm going to lean younger. Uh, this guy also <laughs> started to crush Tiger Beat. Uh, his breakout year, I thought Taylor was ramping up to this, and so he was like, moms loved him. Moms would not love him for so long. Uh, but 97, his second album, My Way, came out, 
and my way, people are like, maybe we should take this little R&B kid seriously. And Ursh started blowing up the charts. And Ursher has always been sexy and uh-huh. will always be sexy. And this is the first year people are like, oh, fuck. Who dat? Hmm. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I've got a nice stable of maybe, so I'm going to put him on there. And then I'm going to survey and pick two of these. So, Ryan, who do I got in my maybe pile? You got Freddie Prince Jr., you have okay. Matt Damon, you have Devin Sawa, and you have Usher. I'm going to say Freddie Prince Jr. Yes. on the mountain. The so FPJ. That's, yeah, that's that, for you, that Mike. I'm yeah. very excited. Shout out, shout out to Freddie Prince. The and best then Freddie. I'm going to say Usher. Yeah! Wow. Wow. Okay. I thought we were doing that whole thing where Mike doesn't get points. No, I think this is one of the games where Mike can score. Uh. Congratulations to you, Mike. Ryan, tell us who the mountain is. We have Freddie Prince Jr. and Usher. Yes. We've got the king of the world himself, Leonardo DiCaprio. And then we have the Hot Boys. Man. The greatest upset in history. <laughs> Everyone on that mountain belongs equally, Absolutely. including the one guy who's four guys, two guys <laughs> we've never even heard of. Just so I know, if I could do a little prep for next week, yeah, was gotta... there a uh, girl component mm-hmm. to the Hot Boys? That... I'm, I'm, listen, I'm not going to say. Damn it. <laughs> That's for him to know. And us to get mad about. And us to find out next week. But no, we're not ready to end the show just yet. In fact, we're just getting to our first question. Riding high on the success of Pulp Fiction, Quentin Tarantino bought the rights to three Elmore Leonard novels. In classic Tarantino fashion, he told someone else they could adapt Rum Punch before deciding he would do it himself once he removed as much plot as possible and changed enough to create a love letter to exploitation actress Pam Greer, who would play Jackie Brown herself. Gunrunners, Ruthless Lawman, Crooked Bail Bondsman, and a flight attendant running them all. Jackie Brown has all the ingredients of a Tarantino flick, but the unveiled, unveiled at a pace where everyone can actually breathe. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Given that Jackie Brown has a much more relaxed pace than Quentin Tarantino's other films, what is distinctly Tarantino about this third movie? The the feet, yeah, the yeah, feet, okay. the fucking oh, feet for sure. Let's get the feet out of the way so Ryan won't puke. Let's address the feet in the room. Okay, now every instance of him doing feet is equally pornographic, but this one includes she's like dipping her little toesies yes. into the whiskey. We finally, that's how you get scotch. That's that peaty feety smell. <laughs> we finally have a character who treats feet like they should be. Yeah, I mean Robert De Niro doesn't like chop them off, but he's like, I'm just gonna move my drinky poo a little bit over he's here. He's hard to read as Lewis, but he hates it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah, that look is not like the same way the camera is looking at her feet. No, I think he sprung that on Robert De Niro. He didn't know that was gonna happen, <laughs> so he's just like, this was my real ass drink. What the fuck is going on? When you guys saw a thing like. Uh, Put the camera in the trunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did it scream out like, "Oh, okay, he's doing a he's doing a QT thing." Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, for sure. Because I am aware of like that's the 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 QT thing. But I think the things that really did it was like in conversations, like when uh, Jackie is talking to Max, and it just like cuts away to just like a luscious view of her filling up a coffee cup with coffee. <laughs> it's just like those things are extremely Quentin Tarantino things, and those are the things that I think. It, it's that and the dialogue are the are the Tarantino thing. So I don't I don't think this is like as stylized as Pulp Fiction. Yeah, no. like they really talk like characters in mm-hmm. Pulp Fiction, which yes. I'm not shit talking, but and it's res- it's more reserved in almost every other way than his other movies, right? Well. And which is weird. You would think that this would come six movies after Pulp Fiction. Yeah, you would just want to like cling on to whatever made Pulp Fiction famous. Uh, but yeah, it's it's the dialogue, not in the stylized way, but in the amount. Yes. That is not yeah. plot important. Right. Like, uh, right. Rum Punch really burns through plot, and this one, like, the, the QT thing mm. is 
these characters are cool. What if we hung out with them? And yeah. it, it feels like, so Pulp Fiction, there's a lot of characters that are cool, but they have so much to fucking do, you don't get to just like see them breathe. And yeah. here he's just like, I really do want to just watch Jackie Brown walk down the street to see how she would react to yeah. the world. And the, the opening bit with uh, when we first are introduced to Samuel L. Jackson's character, and they just have that entire long ass conversation about guns for yeah. for really no <laughs> Including reason. Watching the video, yeah, it it it's like a ten minute scene of them just talking, and that reminded me a lot of the opening of Pulp Fiction, where they're having a conversation about foot massages. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is at that point, you think he's kind of like a fake, yeah. you know that, or Ordell's maybe not a tough guy, and that makes him seem so weird. Yeah, but then the whole rest of the movie revolves around those machine guns and yeah. so it's interesting the way that the first time you watch it you think that some scenes are kind of like throwaway mm-hmm. dialogue scenes where they just happen to be talking about something but i watched it two times before this show and the second time around every conversation they have is actually like totally germane right. to uh, what's going on there's one where ordell and ordell has so much of this uh, this like uh dialogue build a character hang out kind of stuff and he is making fun of Lewis and Bridget Fonda, uh-huh. yeah, Melanie, and because they're high already, and it's like noon. He's like, "Oh, okay. Well, I like to get high at night when my job is done." <laughs> and the, but you guys do you. The whole point was to say like, just I'm going to remind you guys I'm a businessman because you guys right. I don't think you know me as a businessman. So I'm going to remind you that I'm a biz. That's his entire goal there. Yeah, you know? let them know that he's serious. That that's just, like so much of it. He's either trying to establish that he is serious, but not seeming super competent or just being suddenly very deadly and scary. And I think there's something interesting the movie does because with his introduction there and Jackie Brown's long, just like hustling to get to work, Uh both of them. So the whole time I'm like, how is this flight attendant going to get pulled into this thing? She certainly has no part of and is super innocent. (laughs) And with him, you think he's an incompetent fuck up. And then it's this really subtle thing. And I don't think cutie is known for being subtle is like, no, you can't look at somebody instantly and know, I know exactly how you go through the world. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's how, it's the least arc, but that's how the cops arc, right? Yes. Like, they're mostly two-dimensional characters, but if there was some 3D, they, their job basically relies on them summing up people immediately. Yeah. And then Jackie sort of teaches them that, like, you can't really do that. Despite the way I look or who I work for, or what my past is, you can't really do that. Yeah. One thing that I, I thought was very different in the way this movie was shot is and made it seem different from his other movies is because it is this like hangout movie the ratio is really square mm. it's like 1.85 yeah. by 1 and that is very like almost feels like a tv screen rather than a movie screen and then the shots are so close in on people's faces that it the movie feels very small at times where like watching like once upon a time in Hollywood or on glorious bastards, mm-hmm. those movies have like a lot of verticality to them. They have like a lot of like panorama yeah. type shots and the smallness of this really struck me. It was almost claustrophobic, especially in like uh, the thing that I noticed most in that vein was the very end of the movie when Max and Jackie have that kiss and it just slowly zooms in. And then as the phone comes in, it just slowly like, pans out uh-huh. so it plays a lot with that like closeness in moments of intimacy and then just slightly farther but still very close yeah when they're not being as intimate it seems like so many of his movies are, are modern epics and that's the vert you see the panoramas and this is like even if you're odell and this is your life you've chosen it is claustrophobic you don't yeah. have other choices now you're just kind of shoved into a way right and, i mean the, at a certain point in the movie there are like everyone's worried about everyone yeah but, like, Greg, what you were saying, I wonder if that if the movie actually is sort of like an experiment in stakes. Uh-huh. Like, uh, 
you know, we need all of these big, big people having these big, big plots. And but for this one, I'm just going to try to make it as small and personal as possible. Yeah, and Which, then that's when you bring the camera up in on that. I, I think that that is important because the the widest you see, at least from my memory, is when it pans way out. And right. Yes. The, that's mm. the that suddenly like you're like oh the shit this is a crane shot. Yeah. Because they filmed the whole conversation. Yeah. It's such a standout it. scene though. Like there's yeah. nothing else in the movie like that. Right. I, but but and then that's like shooting. A, m- a murder, which in most other movies would be like the big deal, and this one they're just like you're not even going to see it. Like yeah. it's just it's just off in the distance. We're very far away from the car, but we're close enough to still hear Chris Tucker scream one last thing before he yeah. gets shot. Yeah, like why? Let me out of the stupid car. <laughs> like no. I think that's a section where no. like <laughs> there, there is still there, there is still violence and like murder in this movie, but it is. As opposed to like Pulp Fiction, where it's just like there's blood everywhere. By the time it arrives, though, it arrives in a big way, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. that is the first like act of violence at all in the entire movie, and the tension like of sort of like you know Ordell has bad intentions, and yeah. Chris Tucker's character knows mm-hmm. that he has bad intentions, so the tension like really is drawn out through the entire scene. But that's like. 45 minutes into the movie or something before there's yeah. any violence and it's not shown. He, and then there's none for a long time after that. Yeah. So often violence in Tarantino is like this cartoonish chainsaw. And here it, it just hits. It matters to these characters because even if they are gangsters, their life tends to not be violent. Which is weird because back when Pulp Fiction came out, we didn't really care about right. gun violence. It was like all funny and fine. But it still seems like in a lot of ways Jackie Brown is a response because – Pulp Fiction is this like very heightened realism mm-hmm. with almost no repercussions. Like you right. can just yeah. leave a dead body and it'll be fine. And then Jackie Brown, every single ounce of violence comes back to like really yeah. bite everyone in the ass. It is a movie about repercussions. Right. Well, and, and when it's a hangout movie and you're supposed to like enjoy watching this movie multiple times, which I, I think it does work on that level. But one of the things you end up thinking about is like these three people talking, they all die. Yeah. And two of them kill, the, like they kill each other. Everyone in this scene kills each other. And it's like, Wow, that's that's dark. But I I will say like you brought up the repercussions. On the flip side, this is a movie where no one ever responds like visibly to a gunshot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like every single like all of these people who die get shot in public and no one in any scene ever responds to it. Everyone just like walks away. Yeah. It's like that was very weird to me but like that's the Delamo Mall life baby yeah. just, you get used to it <laughs> like he straight up shoots Melanie in the parking lot yeah. and no one and you know ne- yeah you don't even hear like as he drives away somebody notice yeah which, it's just like it almost doesn't happen which wonder- is different than Pulp Fiction because uh Butch hits Marcellus or yes. yeah Marcellus mm-hmm. Wallace and 40 people in the town come right. and run over to him <laughs> well I wonder if it's talking about like because it, it it's, if it's a claustrophobic movie, not just how it looks, but this is very important to these characters. But five hundred grand yeah. is laughable in a movie, mm-hmm. and so it's That's so important th- to them. And the rest of the world doesn't give a shit about a random beach girl shot in a parking lot yeah. over fifty grand. Like it's too tiny. The it, stakes in this movie are perfect because most people, when you see a movie, you expect to hear like forty-five million dollars. Yeah, but most people who go see movies. $500,000 would fucking change their oh, lives. Oh, yeah, sure. Right. So it is, an appro- it is big it, stakes. It reminds me of like a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, Where like totally. they do a lot of that with like, it's just like very low stakes, but enough that like all of these people are going to spin out over Well, it. yeah, and live or die by it. Coen Brothers is perfect because in Pulp Fiction or Tarantino's other movies, they're movie criminals. Like they are mm-hmm. criminals yeah. that belong in movies, but Coen's do like, what if normal people were right, in a right. movie? And what, that's how Jackie yeah. Brown feels. Like, th- this feels a lot like, what if Brad Pitt, the fitness trainer, 
like got pulled <laughs> over for like had some cocaine and had to do the, all of this shit. Like it feels a lot like that. That's your go-to Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, <laughs> Burn After Reading, guys. Burn After Reading is a great fucking movie. Uh, I, we're gonna talk. We've never the talked about the Coen Brothers, but looking at Taylor, I could guess that he is a Burn After Reading stan. <laughs> Is there anything else that you can think of that makes this movie feel like a response to Pulp Fiction or that like he he's reacting to? I, I don't know about response, but I think definitely the thing that crosses over the most is the, the soundtrack because that's just a Tarantino mm-hmm. deal. Yeah, he didn't seem to go a different way. Not with that it's that. the same as Pulp Fiction, but it's yes. it has its own that would distinct be, right. soundtrack. That would be really weird. Yeah, why did like, you do that? Dude? But it's, I, I think they use it the same way with the like having it on the radio and then cutting out mm-hmm. it at occasion and uh, like just bits like that to pull you in and out. Like, what is the characters listening to, and what yeah. is just for us, and like. Classic Tarantino's. Here's an actor that's not been in anything forever, but yeah. I'm gonna yeah. pull him in and like revitalize him. That's but it, true. It yeah. does feel like Jackie Brown is like his Pinkerton, where he it, nobody reacted the way he thought they would, and then he's like, "Fine, fuck you. Yeah. I'm gonna cram Pulp Fiction shit down your throats yeah. for years." Dude, yeah. that's true. It's almost like he said, "Like I can, I can do this. I can. I don't have to be a type of director. I can just be a director." And then it didn't hit in the way that he expected. But, yeah, I can, like, I can see. Like, I love all of his most of his movies, but I can see him saying like, "Oh, you want." The green album, Django Unchained. Yeah. Fine, jerks. <laughs> that is, that's Weezer as fuck. My favorite QT moment in the whole thing is, uh, I think that he's, this is the most reserved he's ever been. Yeah. Like, that, that's basically what Mike just said. But there's one awesome moment that is like, uh, wink at the camera, but also the right amount of like jerking off on yourself. And that <laughs> is, uh, Jackie Brown can't do the back half of the movie until she puts on her Tarantino costume. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that's yeah. when she puts on the black suit with the white yeah. shirt, and now it's time to be Tarantino. I've been eyeing this. I wanted <laughs> yeah. to ask you about that because it's so pointed that it yeah. almost feels like it. it's a commentary on wouldn't you expect me to do something right. like this? But that puts her. That makes her part of the gang, right? She is indisputably a part of like the band apart group right she's worn yeah. the fucking suit even if she's yeah. never been in like a lineup before in the big tarantino avengers yeah. <laughs> yeah in the shared universe she's someone she's one of the people it's surprising that stuck in the middle with you isn't just playing uh-huh. while she's putting it on <laughs> uh the other little thing that i think tarantino just sticks very strictly to and he does it in this movie is the fade to black act breaks mm. where like you like you know when the first act is over and the second act begins because yeah. he's gonna fade to black and you know what's weird about that too is uh mike pointed this out when we were watching it is the the shit written on the screen gets more and more audacious yeah. like it just starts yeah. off as like like a time <laughs> and then like towards the end of the movie he's just talking to you yeah he's like del amo i love this play <laughs> 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 got my first HJ by the Foster's Freeze. Yeah, it's been an Orange Julius. After a little while, it's just like the director's commentary that they wouldn't pay him to do. So he's like, "Fuck you guys! I'll put it in the movie." This is Pam's idea to do this shot. <laughs> when we come back, we're gonna move into the land of Patreon-only listeners, where the creeks run cold. But only for the people who give us a little bit of that skadoosh. Skadoosh. And what we're going to be doing is picking the five. So Patreon listeners, stay tuned for that. If you're not a Patreon listener, think about it, man. Just go to patreon.com slash filter. Just think about it. Just for only the cost of one grand piano a month, you can give us, what's about a grand piano? thousand dollars. Thousand dollars a month, and that is we'll make a movie about your life, and that's we make a movie every month. We make a movie. <laughs> we might want to jump that one up a little bit. <laughs> no, nope, I'd rather I'm deliver them it. a grand piano. <laughs> when we come back, we're gonna do that and even more. Skadoosh. <laughs> you know what skadoosh means? Means we're moving on to a new segment, and that segment is, of course, trivia. All right, I wrote the questions. I know the answers. 
let me get all the way to the end because I worked very hard on these like a good boy. And uh, you ring in by saying your name, and you get one guess. Maybe two guesses if hmm. you're Taylor. What What brand of hat is fancied by Ordell Robbie? Ryan. Taylor. Ryan. Kingle? It's a Kangle. Uh, it's so favored by him that he wears one in basically every scene, and then in suddenly one of the scenes, Jackie Brown, Jackie Brown yeah. is also wearing one. And I part of me wondered about a universe where every character, it's like a new character, it's every a they scene live. Has it's spreading. If you're in that situation, you just like slowly pull it off, right? Yeah. There can only be one Kangle per yeah. ball yeah. table. No, they we both can't. showed up with it and then refused to back down. They're both wearing backwards Kangles at the same table in a food court. Is can't this the done. movie that gave real life Samuel Jackson his Kangle love? I I wondered if, if he was like, I want to, I'm going to wear a Kangle all the time. Because he still does that. Yeah. He still backwards Kangles all day long. What is noteworthy about Max Cherry's discussing the procedure he had for his hairline? Mike. Mike. Uh, Robert Forster really had it, told Tarantino, and then Tarantino was like, fuck that, we're putting that in the movie. Totally, yeah, that was something that really happened to him, and he's like, I, I don't feel bad about it, and we could talk about it. And it fits thematically, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. Samuel L. Jackson shot his scenes on the weekends as he was working on what movie at the time? Taylor. Mm. Taylor. Snakes on a Plane. Not Snakes mm. on a Plane. That came out a short time later. Mike. Mike. Spheres? Yes! Well, what? Ryan. Ryan. It's Sphere. Damn it. I'm going to give you a point because it's not Jeopardy. What? It's not an Alien Aliens situation. <laughs> yeah, those are different movies. There was no sequel to Sphere. That's not a real movie. What does Michael Crichton? Michael Crichton. Dude, check it out. No. Uh, the book, what, not the movie. I refuse. Yeah, one of the worst adaptations of all time. He's only had one good movie book, right? <laughs> Just one of the greatest movies of all yeah. time. Yeah. But that's one time. Huh? The yes. Lost World. What does Ordell say 37 times in the movie? Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> the N-word. Not the N-word. Taylor. Taylor. Hey. Mike. Not, hey, hey, I'm Ordell. How's everybody doing here? <laughs> Mike. Mike. Motherfucker. He says motherfucker 37 times. Okay, I thought it was Did what you, you cheat? No, I thought you it was fucking what, cheated. I thought yeah, it was what, what you said. Fuck? If it wasn't, if it what wasn't is, that, it has to be that. What is noteworthy about this? Taylor. Taylor. It set a record for most motherfuckers. It's, <laughs> I'll give you the point. Taylor. It's the most times he himself has ever said it oh. in a movie. What word is said 38 times in the movie? Ryan. Ryan. Is that the N-word? That's the N-word okay. ringing in at one more time Ryan. than the other word. <laughs> uh, Spike Lee was like, okay, I have a problem with this. <laughs> yeah. And he counted, and I wondered which number was like, that's it. That's too much. Yeah. Well, what was surely the they're done. <laughs> oh, now there's 10 more? Because he's like... I know who wrote this script. <laughs> yeah. you, can't, you can't fool me. At least in this one, Quentin Tarantino didn't deliver any himself. Yes, yeah. that is a big bonus. Apparently, uh, Tarantino tried to call him, and he was like, no thanks. <laughs> I don't no. feel like I need to chat with you. The other thing, too, is how front-loaded it is. Like, yeah. or, when we meet Ordell, he rips off like 20 in a row. Yeah. Then it they makes, really slow burn the rest. It makes it hard not to spend the rest of the time being like, every time two characters of color are speaking to each other, being like, a weird squirrely white guy wrote this. <laughs> Like this, don't forget. Is it imp- like I'm? I, we all know Tarantino's penchant almost more than feet. Yeah. He loves that word. How many times do you think Samuel Jackson slipped it in himself? At any point was Tarantino like too much, too much? I wrote a few, but uh, too much. I I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but I have a hard time believing it. That he's like, ooh, this is too. He's many just like answers. more. Yeah, because he he's like. He's one of these white guys who's like, I'm going to strip that word of all its power. And, and that's up know. to him. He can yeah. do it. <laughs> he didn't add any N-words, but he added go see Sphere in Cinema Sue <laughs> like six or seven times. Spheres. Check out Spheres. <laughs> all right. The song playing Sphere. during Jackie's arraignment is Longtime Woman, performed by whom? Taylor. Taylor. Greg? It's <laughs> Ryan. 
<laughs> Ryan. Taylor. It's not Taylor. Mike. Mike. Ryan. Uh, no, Long Time Woman is a song by Pam Greer. Oh. oh. When Pam Greer went to audition for the role of Jackie Brown, what did Quentin Tarantino have plastered all over her, his walls? Ryan. Taylor. Ryan. Uh, Pam Greer movie posters. Pam Greer movie posters. Ryan. A point for Ryan. What did she ask him about the posters? Ryan. Ryan. Did you put these up just for me? Point Ryan. to Ryan. And what did <laughs> he reply? I've heard the story before. Ryan. Ryan? <laughs> I said, no, I thought about taking them down because, down you, were because coming you were coming over. Wait, you freaked Ryan. out if I cheated two seconds ago because I guessed a number. I heard a story before, Mike. Okay. What do you want me to do? Forget the story? Yes. Because otherwise it's cheating. My this, guess was jerk off material. This. <laughs> This trivia is originally composed only by me, full of facts that I found through rigorous research. So I couldn't imagine anybody would have access to them ahead of time. I think you guys are just really good at guessing. Thank you, Gregory. Do you guys remember in Nakatomi Plaza where all the <laughs> construction scenes were just plastered with jerk-off material? Yeah, I did. Just nude girls everywhere? Yeah. yeah. That's construction. Like, That's why they're catcalling all so the like, time. So like, as you're walking from one part of the dig site to the other... You like stop and look at a picture on the wall? Is that? Yeah, practice one cat call. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hey, baby, you're only two dimensional, but you seem three dimensional me, right? (laughs) Come sit on my face. I don't know what he said most of that, but I know I'm offended. (laughs) No, I understood every word, and it was the most beautiful poetry I've ever heard. (laughs) It it was actually not a very good cat call. It was, you're three dimensional to me. I don't think I understand cat calling. Get better at cat calling, Greg. (laughs) Hey, girl, you exist in all the dimensions that are perceivable. (laughs) Greg likes the response. I respect your autonomy. have a good day. Greg likes the response where the girl's like, fuck you. Wait, what? <laughs> Respect and now you're in a conversation. <laughs> hey, girl, hey, girl, you have a body. <laughs> Sometimes what I do is when uh, a really attractive girl walks by, I just don't say anything to her or bother her at all. Whoa. <laughs> where's, my, move. where's my fucking award? <laughs> for Ryan. Ryan. It's right here. Thank you, Ryan. No oh, my problem. gosh. No. You guys, how did you know that I wanted an award? It says Alan Tudyk on it, but don't worry about that. <laughs> Who did Michael Keaton try desperately to talk Quentin Tarantino out of casting in the movie? Mike. Taylor. Mike. Michael Keaton. Yeah, Michael Keaton. <laughs> and uh, Quentin Tarantino has said that like Michael Keaton's just very insecure, and apparently that's like a thing he does. But he's he just not say, done the movie. Yeah, you can though. say no. <laughs> his body, his choice. When Max comes out of the movie in the middle of the movie, what is significant about the music that plays in the theater? Taylor. Ryan. Taylor. Did. Did Robert Forster <laughs> make the song? <laughs> I mean, Robert Forster. <laughs> Ryan, did, you, did I hear you ringing in? Uh, Wolf was one of the movie posters behind him. What no. I don't know what the fuck that, that was. Another one was an American president. That, it was the American president, yes. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah, that's true. Okay, wait, that is true, so I'm going to give you a point. Wait, you can just say true oh, facts? what the fuck? I, that's what, what he, I. That's, what he for that's that? what I have written on my card, <laughs> and so he gets the point. Don't be a great grubber, Taylor. What? Listen. Don't be a Mike, Mike. Taylor. Take Mike. one of those, Mike. <laughs> uh, it spells out the rest of the movie's plot. It doesn't spell the rest of the movie's plot. It is the music also from the end credits of Jackie Brown. Oh, There's oh. a lot of really so it's weird like he was walking out of the internal meta. <laughs> yeah, so it's what is playing at the end of Jackie Brown as well, which is weird. Keaton plays Ray Nicolette in what other movie? Ryan. Ryan. Out of sight. Out of sight. That's so interesting. Ryan. He plays the same character in two different movies made by different directors but based on books written by the same dude all right you can do neat that. you can do whatever cool. you want what star trek the next generation actress makes a brief appearance in the movie taylor taylor robert de niro <laughs> not robert de niro famously not a star trek the next generation actress it's the only thing he's known for <laughs> he lost and gained so much weight to not be on star trek mike you warp into me you warp into me <laughs> you must be warping to me because i'm the only spaceship out here <laughs> I have warpy nickels. 
anything. <laughs> oh, I think you'll find that joke tracks quite well. <laughs> Mike. Mike. Uh, Dax? I don't know. Dax. Ryan. Uh, Ryan. Whoopi Goldberg. Not Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> but she was on Star Trek The Next Generation. But she was on yeah. Star Trek The Next Generation. She played the cafe owner. She played the bartender. Hey, you want a Denise, cinnamon bun? Denise Space? Crosby, who famously played Tasha Yar. That's who, who I meant by when I said Dax. <laughs> <laughs> it was Tasha Yar. She played the defense attorney. Oh, of course. Jackie Brown is based on a book by what writer? Ryan. Ryan. Elmore Leonard. Elmore Leonard. Ryan. Who do I always get him confused with? Ryan. I feel like I heard Taylor first. James Elmore? No, not James Elmore. Ryan. Uh, Shit. Uh, James Elroy. James Elroy. Uh, All right. Very good. I still don't really know the difference between the two of them. I don't either. Whose idea was it for Ordell to have Crypt Keeper hair and that awful goatee? (laughs) Ryan. Ryan. Craig? It was not Mike. Taylor. It was not my idea, Mike. Samuel L. Jackson. It was Samuel L. Jackson no. himself. It has to be. That's such a good choice. It How's, is horrifying. I was yeah, gonna, my answer was going to be me. When he like unleashes yeah. all of it, oh my god. Keep the hat on, brother. That, and is that not the same wig from the Crypt Keeper? Yeah, That's like... the same exact hairline and everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he woke up every morning. All right, I'm going to make a quick death pun, and then I'm going to go about my day. How did Quentin Tarantino spend the first few weeks after Jackie Brown's release? Taylor. Taylor. Bunch of cocaine. Ryan. That's probably true, Ryan. Drinking off on feet. That's probably true as well. Mike. Mike. In the theater rewatching Jackie Brown. In the Drinking theater, off on feet. Rewatching with a light stick. That's how you respond when your mom's like, what are you doing? You, that's what you tell. Drinking I'm, off on feet. I'm in the theater, mom. Go away. I'm just drinking off on feet. So she never knows what you're really into. Now that we have covered both movies, who wins in a confrontation between Jackie Brown and the bride? Ryan. Ryan. In a fight, it's the bride by a lot. Yeah, but I'm just saying a confrontation. So these two... Oh, it's Jackie Brown. They have run afoul each other. Taylor. Okay, so Ryan's answer is... (laughs) Jackie Brown. Is Jackie Brown Taylor? Samuel L. Jackson. Okay, Mike. Mike. No matter who wins, we all win. <laughs> no matter who wins, <laughs> we all win. Uh, Do you think they mentioned, like, this is so not like Aliens and Predator right now? <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, it's got to be Jackie Brown. I, I don't think anyone could beat her at anything ever. She's playing three-dimensional chess, and the rest of us are playing two-dimensional chess. That's normal chess. Chess is 3D. <laughs> no, it's, it's only 2D. It's on a 2D two, plane. There's only two dimensions of travel just because, the pieces. Just because the pieces stick up from the board, dum-dum. That's three-dimensional. Yeah. No. no, no, absolutely not. If you're playing three-dimensional chess, you have to be able to move the pieces in three you dimensions. You only move in two dimensions. Can drop pad give Greg a point? Sure. Uh, perfect use of dum-dum. <laughs> like, that was classic dum-dum use. <laughs> it hurt. Classic Dub Dub situation, and Ryan, you were right to point it out. When we come back, another one of our tasty questions. What is the best part of Jackie Brown? Pam what? Greer or Jackie Brown? Ooh, I, Pam Greer, I think. Like, it's so much about how, like, she carries herself and just, like, is a person. Uh-huh. Like, I, you love that in a woman. I, I, just, I just love when a woman is a is person. A nerd. <laughs> uh, but, but I really think, like, Jackie Brown, there's a... <laughs> wow. What the fuck? Very wrong. No. Jesus. 
we've got an ornery audience. I wish tonight wasn't the first night we I, liked I, them. The audience was so delayed. I don't know who they're booing. Yeah. <laughs> this who is knows? why we don't put the Joe Rogan show on the marquee. <laughs> the audience is very far away, so it takes time for their booing to reach us. The okay? Doppler effect of podcasts. <laughs> but I, I do think there's a certain amount of like the writing that gives Jackie Brown like a, a, a lot to do. Like she's very like I'm just gonna tell everyone exactly what I'm doing all the time, and that's just how I'm gonna <laughs> but, fuck people over. But I think Pam Greer's like carrying and like Pam Greer like inhabiting the character and having all those conversations about like I'm aging like my career isn't what it used to be like if I uh, when she is talking about how if she if, if she burns out on this she doesn't shut know up button? she's gonna have to <laughs> yeah whatever what fun verbal tap dancing I've never seen I like it's I don't want to pull like a jazz thing you guys all know about jazz it's what you don't I, hear I the jazz is the best the, when you don't listen that's to that's the music from Star Wars it's the, it's the <laughs> bitches brew yeah <laughs> Uh, the music from Star Wars, everybody, yeah. is called Jizz. The, it is. <laughs> by, by, by figuring Dan and the modal nodes. Look, you're going to figure Dan. Dan. You're going to get jizz. <laughs> uh, the first 30 if minutes. you finger fingering Dan, you're going to get jizz. <laughs> no all of cum. saying oh. that, fingering Dan. It's <laughs> not cool. was it cool the first time. Certainly not cool now. And in between every song. <laughs> uh, the first thirty minutes, the first thirty minutes of Jackie Brown, uh, Pam Greer is asked tons of questions and she just refuses to respond. Yeah. Not like short, cold answers. Yeah. She just sits there and like raises an eyebrow and lights a cigarette, even if she just lit one ten seconds before. And then people just move on. Oh, it's so intimidating, even though they have all the power. It's scary as hell. Yeah, yeah. those cops are like, "Well, I <laughs> oh, guess they're not arresting." Oh fuck! And she she does something that I, I really like as a plot device, which is she's a character who just tells people what they're gonna do. Yeah. yeah. And people aren't used to that because she just allows for like no resistance to what she wants it's, you to she, do. She is Tantino's Anton Chigurh. She just walks yeah. in and is like, here's what's going to happen. Yeah. And they're like, oh, fuck. They're like, all right, okay, that's what I'll do then. I'm, I'm going to flip this coin and steal $500,000 from you, <laughs> and you're going to say yes to it. But going back to what Taylor said about the, the, the lying, like what she's figured out is everyone's lying constantly. What I'm going to do is I'm going to tell 90% truth all the yeah. time. Like she tells everyone, like, uh-huh. oh, here's what's up, and then yeah. picks one detail to yeah. keep her in charge. Because like she's- he, when, in the bar when she's talking to Hordell, uh, Jackie's like, oh, no, I told the cops everything. Yeah. He's like, what yeah, the who, what? Why, why would you do that? She's like the one character, and maybe because she's the one female lead character, but she's the one character who isn't concerned with how anybody views her. So she'll tell the truth and look shitty and then hide back anything else. And they're like, well, I would never say anything that would make me look shitty. Yeah. So she must be telling the full truth here. That and like all of the silence in the first part is it feels like she's just like being withholding and kind of a bitch or uh-huh. cool and above it all, but she's just getting all of the information. Right, yeah. So then she can just knock all the cards down in the she rest of the movie. She has several conversations in the first like 40 minutes of the movie where she just collects a ton of information yeah. and does not give any information and, back and, at and all. And I will give you a tip if you were ever a freelancer dealing with clients, that's the most important part is just gather requirements and then you execute, but you leave them out of it. <laughs> Do not tell them the rest of what you're doing. You just listen to what you need. She's just a you UX freelancer. Yes, ahead that's of her it. Game. That is entirely what she is. I, I think a huge part of her being a flight attendant, it's plot wise, it's just so she can be the one who brings the money yeah. to the states. But I do think flight attendants deal with thousands of kinds of people all day, every day, and they just have to plaster a look on their face. And I think Jackie Brown has learned how to work literally every kind of person. I mean, airplanes have like, like all of the types of the worst people, right? Yes. And every flight. And the other thing too is the the nonstop service. Like I've worked in service industries where I have 
other jobs besides service, mm-hmm. but like flight attendant, I, it really feels like no you were only breaking. below at yeah. all times. And this is why she's just been watching and waiting and ready. I, uh, she's such a badass. They like, they're, can we search your purse? And she's like, she knows she's got money in there. She's like, yeah, okay. And they <laughs> yeah, find the envelope. There. And then she just like, she just like, like, likes a cigarette, does not act concerned at all. And then they find the envelope and they're like, can we also look in the envelope? And she's just like, yeah, sure. Yeah. But like, she doesn't like freak out it. or anything. Or like, uh, please, I'm just a flight attendant. Like, let me go. She's just like, well, I didn't expect this, but I will gain new information yeah. by watching you guys work. And she, she figures out who like dropped the dime on them, uh-huh. basically. She, she's able to figure out the whole thing by just like encountering these two guys. Where if she got panicked, they wouldn't tell her anything. Yeah. But yeah, she reacts in a way that she, it looks like she called them. She's like, you're doing my plan now, I guess. <laughs> I like the part that the only time the cops ever have re- any real power over her is when the jerky detective guy is like, did I say you could smoke in my mm-hmm. office? And then two scenes later, yeah. he's like, light up! Go yeah. for it! Yeah. Absolutely! Smoke, you know. girlfriend! It's so fun. insane that the cop in denim cutoffs and a leather jacket isn't the douchey detective. That's bananas. <laughs> and shorts, Crazy. right? Like, yeah. That's what you're saying? I, yeah, yeah, denim cutoff shorts. Yeah. I, I loved watching him. Michael Keaton was really good in this. So much of the time, you can just see on his face that he thinks this guy he's working with is such an mm. idiot uh-huh. asshole, but there's nothing he can say against <laughs> him because it's like his partner on this. Was this the start of uh, Michael Keaton's, if I'm going to go do a scene, I'm going to put in five pieces of gum in my mouth and just like <laughs> chew it all cool? Yes. It's, it's either this or Jack Frost. It's so much. Well, I think I think everything traces back to Jack Frost. All of cinema traces back to Jack Frost. To watch that snowman chew gum all the time. <laughs> and the, the snowman playing a harmonica? Classic. <laughs> the other thing, too, the reason that I think Greer wins over Brown is that uh, Pam Greer was a black exploitation star. And that genre of movie was not known for its acting talent. It was known for, like, setting this tone and everyone being down. Yeah. And now she has proved that it, it wasn't that she was a bad actress in bad acting movies. It was, I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. I can yeah. black exploitation act, and I, can, I also have talent like in Jackie Brown. The but- thing that makes me, like, think that... Pam Greer wins out over Jackie Brown is I watched this movie and I thought I want to watch more Pam Greer movies not I want to watch more movies like Jackie Brown Mm -hmm. like the camera absolutely loves her like you have to be so engaging to have the beginning like the first two minutes of your movie just be somebody working their way through an airport and it it holds yeah. up. The whole like, time we're watching, what does this mean? Oh, shit. Her <laughs> eyebrow twitched for a second. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. What is that? Do you guys think, like, is it as simple as that Tarantino is in love with Pam Greer and hates Melanie types? Because, like, he is making Pam Greer look like a goddess the entire time. Yeah. And Melanie is this, like, uh, more, like, what we're used to of hot chick. And, yeah. like, she just becomes not. Like, he doesn't care about that part of her. Mm. She's just annoying and stupid. Yeah, I guess it does seem like a, like, repu- repudiation of one type of woman, which is... Probably a strike against the movie because there's basically two different types of women. One, the like master planner who like can outthink everybody, and the other one, kind of like a mouthy, annoying. Sure, she's sometimes attractive, but she's not even as young as she. I mean, she's is. an opportunist. I guess you could say that. But like, isn't everybody in this movie? Yeah. But it does. I, you could see Tarantino in film school, and this is how he treats women: is he'll hang out with Melanie, but treat her like shit because she hasn't earned it yet. But if somebody has the chance to blow him away, now he'll just be your lapdog. I'm going to go back to that point that I made. Uh, I thought it sounded interesting. Now I am, like, mad that he did that. I'm going to change my whole tone on that whole point. (laughs) Now I'm feeling super angry. In the book, famously, Jackie Brown is Jackie Burke, a white flight attendant. Is there any reason other than just... He wanted to put Pam Greer in a movie that there's, like, the the switch here? Well, uh, one, I do think you could have called her... 
Jackie Burke and had it still be Pam Greer. But th- this is such a Tarantino thing. Like, it's not just he I'm referencing. He wanted the last name Brown. Though, right. right. I'm not just yes. referencing movies. I need you motherfuckers <laughs> to know that I'm referencing movies. Even yeah. some people should get these illusions. You you don't pick that font for yeah. this movie without thinking, like, I'm going to think all the way through this title. With Now it's sort of commonplace, but back then he had the copyright underneath it, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it was, like, that was the first time I had I, seen it. Outside I, of the seventies, I agree with that. Like that, right. now that's the kind of thing that you would expect to see because of him. Mm-hmm. But that was totally new when he did it. But Jackie Burke was put upon and shit on because she was a woman in the book. For Jackie Brown to be black, there, it's mentioned a couple times in the movie. Like the cop straight up says, like the the way that he gets Jackie Brown to uh, like you know go along with him is like, what do you think it's going to be like for a black woman? Mm-hmm. And she also says that at a different point, like. If I had this uh, background, this criminal record, it might be okay. I, maybe I could restart if I was white. But because I am black, I'm fucked. Yeah, right. it's such a big strike against you. It's such a disappor- and it, disproportionately big strike. It's right. not just black. It's what Malcolm X, they're all just referencing Malcolm X the whole time. Is the hardest person to live a life in America is a black woman. And everyone's like, yeah, for fucking sure. Even the people taking advantage of it, like, we know what we're doing. Yeah, Life's really hard for you here. You know what that means. We're going to the speed round. That's what it means. First question. Didn't I do it, baby? Yes. Didn't I? Ryan. Didn't I do it, baby? Yeah, Wait, of course. Names yeah. Here? I definitely did. Ryan. I definitely did it, baby. Didn't Is that song used too much in this movie? No. no. I don't no, think so. Yeah. Del Fox fucking rule. And it shows Max Cherry's obsession. It's yeah. a incredible song. So if yeah. you're going to overuse something, that's a good one. Uh, but uh, yeah, I like how it like just kept us... On the same path the entire time. And they start reacting. Isn't it Odell who's just like, I would not have guessed that from you. Like, <laughs> uh, why doesn't Max go to Spain at the end? We hit on this a little bit. But we, so we, we have decided that we agree. We think we didn't. Th- we think he did not go. Yeah. But why? Because he hates Spanish people. That's, just because yeah. he doesn't like Spanish people. Yeah. about how he hates bulls. He, he hates paella. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nobody hates paella. Well, you're not going to go to Spain if you don't like paella. I, no. I, do you think it's that this was his romantic adventure, was G's few days right. with Jackie, and he, but he is old enough, and maybe he is cynical that he's like, there's nothing. It will only get bad. I want to keep this fantasy here and then fucking end it before it hurts me. I think that Jackie Brown said, like, her whole thing was like, I want to get the life I deserve based on, like, who I am and my intelligence, and that is... Five hundred thousand dollars in Spain, yeah. And Max's whole thing was like, I am, I've become jaded, and everything's gray. Uh-huh. And because of Jackie, now that's not true. He doesn't even want his money. He just wants like, give me the ten percent. That's yeah. how I like. He has a code, <laughs> yeah. And then he mailed it. Is that the best way to get the money to her? Yeah, probably. He mailed her four hundred ninety thousand dollars. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Nothing goes wrong in the mail. Did you Did you get my package? What do we make of that sex scene? What are we to make of that sex scene? What's going on there? Taylor. Taylor. I don't I do do I have to buzz in? I don't care. Uh Robert De Niro is a weird out of shape dude who likes to grunt a lot. Uh-huh. Wait, Lewis uh, or Robert? Both. <laughs> both dudes. Uh and Bridget Fonda is a very attractive woman who uh is wearing a weird necklace as a belt. Oh, well that's the 90s, dude. Yeah. That was Welcome a major that was a major fashion piece do in not, the 90s. Do not do not get that. Belly chains? Don't understand. No, Wait, not a big fan of belly I, did chains. Did you see her belly? It because it's what <laughs> it's it says is it was off the chain. It what it what it says is like I am so slender wow. I can just wear a thin whatever metal belt. And I, the thing too is that like with all these tropes and you go to uh like 
poke holes in them, it's always so obvious. And this is de-romanticizing everything about Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. And this is part of it. You know, like, it's it's not as obvious. But, like, yeah, this is how sex kind of happens sometimes. Yeah. And I do, they, they are these empty people who have fucking nothing. So these three minutes, we're watching going, that's gross. They're like, it's gross, but at least we didn't keep watching TV. Like, yeah. What a culture <laughs> clash, though, to go from Boogie Nights last week to this scene this week. Yeah. To make it sexy? <laughs> hey, can we make it sexy? <laughs> How are we supposed to feel about Ordell Robbie? Does Jackson make him fearsome, or is there something more going on? He, I, he thinks he's fearsome, but be, the Crypt Keeper hair and all of it—it's it, just a guy trying to put together a fearsome outlook. I think that yeah. the gun scene in the beginning is so important because the characters maybe think he's important, but everybody treats him like a joke, and then are surprised yeah. when he kills them because he's a fucking <laughs> joke. I mean, Melanie comes in right away, and she's right. like, uh, he just watches that to impress people, and he, I think he got all of his information from, from this yes. video but, of yeah. girls shooting guns. People do do sell him short, right? Because Lewis says, like, oh, I don't know about that. Yeah. You know, like, because he does have a good amount of money. He's got making a huge markup. He just seems like he's on the like the beginning part of really being established doing this. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is you can't just kill all your associates all right. the time. I don't think that really works as a long-term business strategy. Which I think is why he's not the Anton Sugar of the movie mm-hmm. and every movie needs one. Uh, is that like, it's not just uh, I am a psychopath who murders at will. Like, it's because I want you guys to think I'm cool yeah. and also to like fix fuck-ups. But like, right. we see him think about them all and all he wants, he, more than money, he wants people to say, like, damn, Ordell, you're really tough. Yeah. <laughs> but if he cared more about the business and the money, he would wow. never have to kill anybody ever. He's right. been doing this for decades. If he was just good at it, yeah. And is fucked up. But he, he's still living in a pretty shitty, like, he th- he's good for the lower tier of this kind of crime. I mean, yeah. he doesn't live anywhere, right? He bounces between yeah. three. And he's like, look, I got three girls I don't really like, and they have <laughs> apartments. I'm dope. <laughs> and they really hate me. They say bad things about me the second I walk out of the room. Uh, at two and a half hours long, does any character scene or segment feel superfluous? Now, in, in hindsight, there, at the definitely at times I was like, why? This is long. But in hindsight, fucking no. So while yeah. watching, yeah, yeah, I was a little I, unsure. I don't think any scene feels superfluous. I think you could cut down a lot of scenes. Like, you can strip away some of it. Like, But the thing is, the crazy thing is that I would want them to strip away plot. I don't yeah, want them uh-huh. to take away any hangout moment, you know? And I, I think there's so, there, the whole – there's stuff – everybody's bored all the time in this movie. I think the point is <laughs> none of this is sexy. It's about the mundanity of all kinds of life, even crime. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so Lewis is just bored as hell watching this, like, has-been showgirl dance in front of him. And Samuel Jackson's like, yeah, I, I've seen that too. Like, everything is boring because that's what life is. We didn't really talk about Robert De Niro in this movie. What do you guys think of, of his performance? Here? Uh, it, the most perfect performance I've ever seen on film. <laughs> Like I, it, I, I like he has nothing to do. He's not supposed to do anything, and I think he does a really good job of it. Because it's a combination of Taylor, what you said, of uh, Vincent Vega getting older, yeah, uh-huh. and then also all of Robert De Niro's characters. You yes. know, like you do get old and you can't breathe, and you're just boring and bored all the time. And he's so big, and yes. here he's just so tired. It yeah. reminds me of uh, in what that sh- not Requiem was that that show on. That weird show where the guy got out of prison is very quiet. Uh-huh. You've been telling me to watch it for years. Just a few episodes. Nope. Uh, he has so many. He has a fucking list nobody's watching except for him. Cool. The Americans? Uh, so good. But it's when you get out of prison for that long, you don't know how to talk to people and you don't want to fucking try anymore. Like, yeah. I'm just going to be quiet and I guess I'm here because I don't have anywhere else to be. And he does so fucking much with just like his eyebrows, like looking at people and he's like, 
At one point, he pulls them off and throws them at Melanie. Yeah. Which is impressive. It's, it's just like every moment is and like... And that's how she dies. Yeah. And I don't like... Eyebrowed to death. I do not love Ordell's treatment of women, but he says to Lewis, like, after he shoots her, like, you didn't just, like, try to do something, and he's just tired and old and, but like, that refuses do something to think. Is, is it is puncher. Yeah. yeah. Right? And it's yeah. funny coming from Odell, who has also just killed people who don't need to be killed. Does... Did anybody else feel like that made you confront the fact that you think... That maybe you think it's more wrong to hit a woman than it is to shoot <laughs> yeah, that is weird. Because <laughs> isn't that the kind of the position the movie's making there? It's like, well, he shot her to death, sure. Like you can shoot a dude, but, but just hit a woman. But don't don't <laughs> yeah. hit a woman. That's I, wrong. The best solution would have just been like, don't do anything. Yeah. You know what? The best solution would be How don't do crime. Don't forget <laughs> where the fucking car is. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Yeah. That's How about the, that, Lewis? But I we've th- all had that fight. I think that's <laughs> the central theme of the movie is remember where your car is. If you were going to do a big crime, though, do like remember where you parked. Yeah. You don't want to get out and just be like, oh, man, this whole thing. Looks- she was right to make fun of him. It was like, oh, is this why you got caught robbing a bank? You couldn't remember where the car <laughs> yeah. was? You fucking idiot. That made me like her so much more than the, <laughs> the rest of the movie. I was like, that's hilarious. It definitely made me feel like, uh, like I related to her or was married to her. <laughs> well, that is the end of our super speedy speed no. round. I'm going to tabulate the scores, and when we come back, I'll tell you who won, and we will try to guess how far Jackie Brown's going to go in our bracket. I have tabulated the scores, and only I know the winner. <gasps> but in a moment, you will all know it as well. <gasps> Taylor. Yes. With 20 points. You feel like I did it. That's disappointing. I feel like I know. Nope. That's bad. That was a bad All right. one. All right, cool. Pointing. You did a. Like a you did a bad one. All right. Okay, Mike. I'm going to give you one more point, which is going to get you up to 26. Oh, which no. is that's that's almost as many as me. That's okay ish. But Ryan taking it straight to the house with 40. What points. the shit? What? There's a something new, going on. A new record. Yeah, that makes sense. Perhaps a long con. So, Ryan, you are the champion tonight. You are the best friend tonight. I am uh, probably among the most modest, humble people that uh, <laughs> Mike and Taylor knows. But That's very true. I feel like it's time to ask Greg if you're ready. Is next week Taylor and Mike versus me? I feel like this is what we oh, need to do. Oh, that's not. Um, that's oh, fuck you. Because I'm tired wow. of yawning. I'm just tired of yawning. Wow. I like that idea. I think that's really good. Um, I think that'll help me win. The crowd does. I not might not even like... come back next week. This is horse shit. Mike is thinking about storming off. I can tell. I've seen his storming I'm so off. Close to storming. Or at the very least, if you don't come back, uh, just turn into a robot and go in water. And that's, I think, your best sound. That's what you should do next week. <laughs> now we Mickey know that Ryan has won and that we are in the presence of two losers. <laughs> That's me. Ow. Will Jackie Brown be a winner or two individual losers? No, I think it sucks. I think it's a bad <laughs> movie. Greg, I think we only know one thing right now, and that is sorry, Titanic. Yeah. And then I don't fucking know, dude. I have to say, I was pretty bear or excuse me, bullish. I thought it was gonna do well. Before Thank we started, you for before we started the the bracket, I thought this is probably like really the true number one seed, the stealth number one seed. And this show is like it, it is coasting on like a bunch of upticks in Jackie Brown stock. Yeah, like, it has been yes. talked about as a while of like uh, unappreciated, mm-hmm. underrated. And watching it only cemented that mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. I just don't think the com- the combination of being enjoyable, being interesting, having something to say. It's setting a really, really high bar. Nothing has touched it so far. Honestly, I, I feel like I'm ready to say I liked it more than I liked Boogie Nights. Not by a lot. Boogie Nights is a good movie as well. But this, I think, is a more enjoyable experience. It's less heavy in the way Boogie Nights is heavy. Yeah. 
Taylor, what do you think? How do you like it going forward? I, I like it so far it is. I think it's about tied with Boogie Nights for me. And I think uh, LA Confidential is like maybe like a centimeter ahead of those two for me right now. Yeah. But I feel very similarly about LA Confidential and this movie. It's going to be very difficult for me to make a final decision at yeah, the end of this. That's the thing is that you well, sort that's of... What the whole last two shows is just us complaining about that's how what, we have to uh, do the thing that we yeah. built our podcast around. It feels like every other season was like a little bit easier, but this one it seems like is heavy loaded. Wait, why can't we just have a plaque that's like uh, mostly LA Confidential, but also Boogie Nights and Jackie Brown Tide? Yeah. Uh, you guys are all forgetting we're about to watch Men in Black, so... And all, it's anybody's defenders. game. Is that what's next, Men in Black? No, it's a few from now, but okay. I'm just saying, what don't a, forget, don't sleep on it. What a momentous step backwards <laughs> that would be to go right into that. I think it would be great. I think Men in Black is probably the favorite to win it all. No other Are movie you, that we're watching has a rap about the movie we just watched. Yeah, that's true. Although Jackie Brown, I think, would have had a very good rap going out. I'm Jackie Brown, and I'm here to say... No other show uh, is going... like. Men, the Men in Black will will have just uh, the four of us just screaming sugar water the entire time, <laughs> like Men in Black will. Sugar water. <laughs> sugar water. Well, Ryan, as the winner, uh, you have said that you would like us to vacate the premises. That, that would true? be wonderful, guys. All right, well, maniac. Guys, let's all, let's all get up and, and walk out. I need some time. Thank you. Um, I want to thank the audience. I love how you guys booed for Taylor and Mike and never for me. That was awesome. Yes, I know. And how you guys uh, make that noise every time I take off my shirt and show my six-pack? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it, that's it. But I have to do commercials, guys, before you leave. So I'm going to bring out some of... I know, I know. But how about this? I will not be doing the commercials. They're I appreciate that the audience from Wheel of Fortune just came right in here. I hope you did not masturbate today. <laughs> okay. Hope's broken, <laughs> baby. <laughs> All right. So, coming in to tell us about uh, some websites is, of course, my personal trainer. The guy who gave me these six-packs. Sherfin Knob Man. I'm Sherfin Knob Man, and I was more than happy to give you both of those six-packs. I have two on my Listen, tummy. You've been working out really hard, and you got twelve packs. So, Sherfin, uh, explain what I look like before I got to you. Uh, uh, you're looking at like a one pack. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got a big belly. Uh, you had super short arms. Uh, you had flipper feet. Uh, your hair was like just one long noodle growing out of your head. And because of sit-ups, you were able to fix yeah. all of that. I got them arms super long, kind of buff. Uh, your hair now is multiple noodles. Uh, uh, your flipper feet are tinier flipper feet, but, but your swim speeds are way up. It's two flipper feet now instead of that one big flipper yeah, I used to have. Yeah, you don't just have the one mermaid flipper foot. That's weird. Uh, Do you find me more attractive now with my double six-pack than before? You know what? I hadn't seen it before, uh, but now, yeah, I think I'm taking a liking to the two six-packs. It's very good. I like the way it sets off your smaller flipper feet. You're a celebrity uh, it, personal you know trainer. Who are Guilty some of your charged. other celebrities? Uh, I've done a lot of work with Noah Wiley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> very there. famous buff dude, Noah Wiley. Uh, you know the, uh, the, the uh, prime minister of France, Macron? Uh-huh. I've done a lot of stuff with his wife. <laughs> uh, <laughs> How's she look right now? You know what? Kind of old, but still like keeping it tight. Uh, I, I gotta say, uh, you know Peter Fonda? Uh-huh. Uh, 
he recently died, and I just want to say on that night, uh, I was with my friends, and uh, that's I have that alibi. I love the fact, though, that uh, because Peter Fonda was your client and you had one more session with yeah. him, even after you he died, you were in there making him do sit-ups. Well, I've got a cancellation policy. Mm. You know how it is. You have to give me at least a year's notice if you're going to cancel mm. a session with me. Because I got flying all the way out to France from Macron's wife. Like mm. you can't, you can't have me just on retainer. So you're having an affair with a world leader's wife, and you're flying out there every time. No, well, I'm just listen. I'm just working her out. Right? <laughs> We're just. Do you know? No, I'm sorry. I, I'm not. What is her to, name? I'm trying not to be suggestive. She's uh, Miss Macron. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, she's famous. Ms. Ms. Macron. Yeah, Taylor, get the fuck off the stage, oh, dude. Go downstairs. Well, she's French, so, you know, if, if you're French, you're single to me, right? That's like, what's Pierre going to do? Smoke a cigarette at me? Do the Come French on, just call it kissing when you eat out their butt? Yeah, dude, just regular kissing. <laughs> <laughs> they just, you know what they call French bread? What's that? Baguette, man. It's crazy. That is fuck. That's so crazy. <laughs> it's, I've never heard a crazier I, thing. I went there and I was like... Seriously? What are the chances? How did you handle that when you heard that? Honestly, I had to collect myself, man. I was just like, wait, hang on. Ms. Macron, are you... First of all, I was like, is this a prank? Because I thought for sure it must be some sort of elaborate ruse. But no, dude, that's not... They got, seriously, a completely different language over there that they're speaking like 90% of the time. Uh, Surfing? USA. (laughs) We're just a word association. Uh, yeah, that's what we're doing. Yeah, okay, also, cool. I appreciate anytime we're talking about France, you have to re-announce Dude, that you're part of the state. I just call it freedom. <laughs> I don't even like to say the name of the country. Uh, is there any websites that you want us to tell us about? Definitely. Uh, you want to go to yourpopfilter.com. That's where you can get uh, any of your podcasts, any of my workout videos. We'll probably start posting those there pretty soon. Other interesting French facts uh, that we know. Or go to uh, Amazon slash yourpopfilter and do your regular shopping for kettlebells, kettle bars, fiber bars, whatever. Uh, and then these fine gentlemen get a little something. Have you met them downstairs? What do you think of them? Uh, yeah, I sort of shoved past them. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, very uh, easy to shove past, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm. What I'm seeing is people who are skipping leg day a lot, uh, and who have never seen French bread one time in their whole lives. Skipping leg days and also doing way too much skipping. Yeah, like, why do they skip? Everywhere? They just skip everywhere holding hands, and it's disconcerting. And then a little kiss in between each skip. Yeah, dude, and just like singing children's nursery rhymes. <laughs> But like Eerily? in the lowest voice yeah. they can. Like at, but like at the other end of like a hallway when the lights are all weird. I have good news. You don't ever have to see them again, but uh, I have to see them every Are they week. dead? <laughs> yeah, I killed them. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much, Servant. All right. Uh, here to tell us about some other shows is um, Makeup Magnet Sephora Magora. What's up, guys? I'm Sephora Magora, and I'm here to tell you about my new products. I've got uh, concealer, I've got ultra concealer, I've got hyper concealer. No one's going to be able to see you if you put this stuff on. So we just go full invisible man? Yeah. See, a lot of people don't know that when I started Sephora, my company, uh, I actually just wanted to create invisibility potion because I love those Wile E. Coyote cartoons. Uh, so that's what motive. That's the inspiration is Wile E. Coyote cartoons. Yeah, I always wanted to look exactly like Wile E. Coyote, and uh, I made all these products.
it's, it turns out they have other uses and people seem to like them. So, for Magor, you're also the inventor of the invention where, like, it looks like a catapult that's going to shoot things that way, but it instead shoots you the other way very oh, far. Oh, yeah, that took me uh, about uh, 20. What is that for? I, well, it took me about like, 25 years to develop that. And basically, I just wanted to imitate the cartoon so that uh, if I am ready to launch myself over a wall, instead, the, the catapult launches backwards and it kills several people every time <laughs> we use it. You know what's stupid is that you had already said that you were inspired by those cartoons. And then I talked about something from the cartoons. That's what you were inspired by. That's yeah, the obvious answer. Yeah, if, if you ask me anything else about the cartoons, I'm going to say, well, yeah, that's where I got the inspiration. <laughs> I'm not, I, I will not do that, I promise. Okay. I know that you're interviewed all the time and it's all the same questions. Oh, no, no one interviews me. It turns out <laughs> no one really wants to hear what I have to say. So I'm, I'm an open book. I do want to talk to you about your invention, though, where it's like a giant rocket and then you uh, get on it and you pull the, like, cord to write it and then bad stuff happens oh yeah well that was originally actually a funny story a masturbatory aid it turned, <laughs> it turned out it had other uses just like the other stuff and um and so now that's how uh we go to space uh i, I talked to elon musk and we've got a whole thing going on do you yeah yeah we said it's called the dragon rocket it launches up it's a part of the international space station can i get the gossip can you spill the tea does well, elon musk wear concealer Oh yeah, no, he's he's primarily invisible. The, the concealer's the only thing that you actually can see. He's actually uh, his body's fully. He's got a hollow man situation going on. Sure, it's a it's a real weird <laughs> thing that he's got. I don't like hanging out with him a lot. I think he might be a vampire. I'm, you, I'm unconvinced that he's a human being. Tonight we did movie of the year. Uh huh. Whoa, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the support. I. Uh, is there any other pop filter shows that you've heard of? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the OCD, which um, doesn't have any other uses. Um, it's just a podcast where two guys talk about uh, the, the television show OC, which I'm a big fan of, personally. You I, love that show, right? Yeah, I love that show. Anyone who doesn't love that show is probably a piece of shit. Real <laughs> piece of human garbage. Doesn't deserve life. Should be just shoved off into a raft and lit on fire. Uh, but anyway, I like that show, and I also like uh, uh, the Superhero Hour Hour. It's uh, where some guys talk about a superhero television show, which is close to cartoons, which is personally my favorite thing in the universe. I, I can't get enough of them. Uh, yeah, you got the tune thing. Yeah, I've got, I've got the tune fever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, support him and go and get the fuck out of here. All right, see you later. Thank you so much. Uh, here to tell us about... Uh, Twitter and Instagram and all of our various social medias is the first ever talking fainting couch. Well, hello. Hi, fainting couch. How are you doing today? You look a little sleepy. You want to come down? No, okay, hold on. I'm not about to faint right now. I appreciate it. What happens if I do faint right now? Oh, I'll catch you, motherfucker. I'll <laughs> okay. catch you in my arms and cause you a little nap. What happens after that? Oh, you don't, you've got a case of the vapors. You never find out what happens after that. <laughs> Everything's just relaxing. I also noticed this vent on the side of you, fainting couch, that mm. says uh, vapors, and there's a vent. Yes, that's why. I mean, you have vents, too. I don't want to talk about your vents. You don't talk about my vents. Everything be cool. So your vent is secret that says vapors, and then the button up top that says release the vapors. Yes, I'm just saying maybe you should stop wearing that. Press this belly I fart shit, and we don't talk about nothing. Something smells odd right now, like some sort of goat fart. Mm. And I do feel a little like I'm about to pass out. That's what happens. I'm going to say that is uh, circumstantial evidence not directly linked yet. You want to talk about causation or correlation? <laughs> Have you ever been a witness in a murder trial? <laughs> Maybe. But I can't legally talk about it because the NDAs. <laughs> what did your parents do? Oh, my parents? Well, my father was a chemist. A chemist? Uh, yes. Uh-huh. 
Sure. <laughs> and my mother was one of the top paid assassins throughout all of Europe and Asia. Okay, I'm so sorry. I did not expect this answer. Two humans? That's what they did? Two humans? <laughs> oh, no, no. My father was a lamp. I just said his job. You never asked what he was. He was a chemist lamp. And my mother? A human female, yes. <laughs> human female assassin and a lamp made a fainting couch. Yeah, what What are your fucking parents? <laughs> They're just two humans that made a human. That's weird. I've never met somebody like that. Wow, uh, I, the tables have been turned. Mm-hmm. Now I am embarrassed oh, about... Oh, so we're going to bring my siblings into this? You want to talk about the turning tables? I have met your sister, Fainting Table. Mm-hmm. Not as comfortable as you are. Yeah, I like Fainting Table. She does her own thing. We None of us do like that lazy Susan, though. Let's not bring her up at all. <laughs> yes, good call. Uh, we have some social medias, Fainting Couch. Oh, you want to brag now at me? <laughs> I got social media, too, at Fainting Couch. Tell us, tell us about the pop filter social medias. What about them? <laughs> what are they? Oh, why I, are you here? I don't know. I just wander from place to place solving crimes or fixing problems people seem to have. Most of the time, the problem is they don't faint enough in life. But here, uh, you go to at your pop filter on the Twitter, and you'll love it. They, those, they, you all have such a good old time over there on that Twitter. And after that, you're a little bored with words. You want to look at some pictures? Go over to at your pop filter on Instagram. Thank you, fainting couch. No Get the fuck out of here. Problem. I'll see you later. I Ryan. do not like the way that you say that. But you won't see me. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, to tell us about uh, all the ways that you can contact us is three. Uh, I think it's uh, Margin, Margin, and Cargin. Three mouse hunters in the middle of a big mouse hunt in the movie Mouse Hunt. But here's what we got to do to get that fucking mouse. Okay! I can't believe there's three of us. Three. Oh, we're I'm gonna surprised. We came here. First, it was just one of us. They I, I hate to interrupt, mouse. but did you guys save this conversation until you got on stage? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we've been talking about it for a Coggin while. Coggin and Coggin. I can't believe me, Morgan. We yeah. even exist. We really don't like to do this beforehand. <laughs> no, nobody's ever just put some cheese out. <laughs> and then I'm just going to have a trash can in my hands and Coggin and Margin. You distract the mouse when it comes out. It sees that cheese and it's like, oh shit, who are they? Trash can on the head. How are about you? this? We cyberbully it until it offs itself. Oh yeah, the best cyberbully, it posts something and we get nobody to like that yeah, post. So downvote you to hell, bitch. <laughs> hey, hey, what about this? What if uh, what if we steal his parents and we uh, we blackmail them? We put their heads on sticks and we say, hey, this is going to happen to everyone you love. I so love- you're, wait, I'm sorry. Your idea to catch this mouse <laughs> is to catch two other mice? <laughs> yeah, well, I know. I figured, like, we get the guy, we got to get his friend. I feel sure. like Margill like is the Fredo of the three of you. <laughs> by that time, we'd be really good at it. Yeah, I think. We would have already well, successfully practiced practiced runs on it several times. But what I like, I look where your head's at, Marvin, but uh, what's the blackmail part of this plan? You said kill his parents, put their heads on sticks. Yeah. <laughs> and where's the blackmail? Oh, well. Give us this money or we won't apologize. <laughs> I, I don't, I, We're going to pin this on you, you little shit. Oh, that's where Robin comes that? into play. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell him I'm going to frame him and send him now, to, to mouse jail. Right. To mouse court. You know oh. what they do to good looking mice <laughs> like you in the big house? The what? crowd can all see that despite your voices. You guys are all devastatingly handsome. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? Our voices are great. 
Uh, a couple These were wonderful original characters. Can, can we all tell? Can we all tell that I'm the youngest? Yeah. No, I think that is actually very. Cute. I feel like you I'm, are. I thought you were 93 years old. I'm oh. simultaneously the thinnest and the tallest. Yeah, you're very tall, very yeah. thin. You're a demolitions expert in our mouse hunting operation. A couple of things. Hold on, mouse hunters. Hold on. Okay. You guys were brought up. Assemble. You were brought up to the stage for a couple reasons. One. I want you guys to talk about how to contact me and my friends, the people who are supposed to be on this show. And uh, is there really that much money in the string business? Aren't you guys all string millionaires? We're all making money on string. Yeah, it's hard being a mouse out here. It's what keeps society Uh, sewn together. You guys want to pay attention to what your mouse hunting brothers are saying? (laughs) No. (laughs) Have you listened to them? (laughs) Well, you sound perfectly normal. Because I got to say that two of you are... Two of the most handsome people I've ever seen, and one of you is a like wobbly trench coat with a bunch of mouses as a face. Wait, yeah, they, we've seen that prank before. Who? Which one? Tell us. We know, but let the audience not, know. You guys are mouse hunters. I'm not going to tell you which one. Yeah. We're going to figure I it out. We're going to put all our heads together. I'm definitely a mouse hunter. Wait, it's <laughs> definitely me. Listen, if one of us was a big, tall, thin pile of mice, don't you think the other two would have figured it out by now? All right, now I'm just going to go to you, Bargel. <laughs> Uh, I think both of your brothers are tall piles of mice. <laughs> what? No, wait. Th- I this mean, is the second or third I've heard of this. We were, we were born and raised together, and then there was that one weekend I went away, came back, they acted a little different, and said, don't worry about it, none. Did they act like big piles of mice? <laughs> they might have acted like, and they're like, nah, this is just how we act now. We're we all, all go through phases. We're held together by string. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you get that? Wait. <laughs> That's the whole point. I like how some mouse had the idea of like, no, we got to get on the inside. Yeah. And 300 volunteered to become two different people. Yeah. Two, wait, there's two mice people here. Oh my yeah. God, you were the dumbest. Uh, hey, one of them's Jasmine mice and the other's Basmati. M- Margin. Pi- this pile of mice, tell us about the email. Okay, well, um, email's like an electronic mail that you could type into a this computer. This pile of mice, tell us about email. Uh, you could send an email to contact at your pop filter. Dot com. Whether you're one or many different mice, all stitched together with the string from your vast Those empire. Those really are the only two options. Yes, yeah, it doesn't G- matter. Either way, really. Bargill, tell us about a uh, phone number. I'll tell you what I think the most suspicious thing is. It's a normal human-looking man pointing at other men saying, you're a pile of mice. Do you know what would do that? A goddamn pile of mice. I got to say, that is the greatest compliment on my looks I've ever received. <laughs> you look like I'm a, a really normal-looking man. Pile you want to call 1562-DJ-POP, that's 1562-Dr-DJ-POP. You know he's not a pile of mice because he's a DJ. And he's a doctor, and Mouse too dumb to be a doctor. This pile of mice, voice. one of his hands is a... Oh, it's, it's me, uh, just a pile of mice. And the other hand is... It's an even bigger pile of mice, <laughs> held together by strength. Barjo, we have to talk. I'm going to kill <laughs> all you. You are not good at your job. I'm going to kill all you piles of mice right this now. This is like a Matrix situation yeah. in which everyone is revealed to be a big pile of mice. That's the show. I need all I humans and mice movie. to get out of here. Greg, right. can you come I'm back? signing Go. off as a pile of mice. Man, I just saw the three realest looking dudes They look so time. real, right? Dude, yeah. I looked at them and I was like, nobody here is a pile of mice. Speaking of a pile of mice, next week we will be talking about Goodwill Hunting starring two different piles of mice. So tune in for that. But until then, keep watching them boobies.